First of all, could you tell us a bit about the company? Sure. Quantum Theater is a, a company that I founded 23 years ago in Pittsburgh, wanting to experiment with what makes theater present and compelling. One of the ways that we experimented early on was um, we removed the theater. The theater seemed an obstacle to that presence, and so we make our work environmentally in all kinds of places, none of them theaters. Every work is in a different place. But that's only one aspect of our experimentation. The choices in terms of what the material is are quite eclectic. We make some operas, contemporary operas, plays from other places, some classic plays that would be done in a different way. Directors come from all over. Wouldn't you say, though, that putting a play into an unusual setting mm -hmm. would be just as distracting as being in a theater? Gee, I mean, it is distracting, no doubt. It, I mean, it contributes enormously to the experience, as mm -hmm. you would have, I think, felt tonight. Tonight, because we've just watched Jan Fosse's Dream of Autumn. Right, and we said it, um, for those listening, in a what was once a, a restaurant, although it bears no real, you can't sense that it was ever a restaurant. It's the basement of a lovely Art Deco 100-year-old apartment building that's very well-maintained. But down here in the basement, in this multi-level space, it kind of feels like an excavation. There are columns. Like it's bombed out. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Like death. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Suitable for a play that's set in a graveyard if you were looking for a metaphor yeah. for that graveyard. Uh, I guess you're just saying that taking it out of the theater, you wanted to get away from the distraction of the theater so you could focus on the play, suggesting that, it, that this is a better way of... I think I feel that life is a great setting for us to consider things in the way that the theater asks us to consider things, ideas. And so my theater makes plays in real places. Okay. And they inevitably contribute to the experience of the play. Some, in some ways that we can control, in some ways that we can't more and more as, you know, it's the 23rd year, I, I kind of push toward the things that I can't control. I like to work outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, I love what's going on through those windows. I love that the light changes. I love that it will be different night to night. I love all those things. I love that we hear and feel the lives above this space lived in this real apartment building. I love that people have memories of whatever this was in another iteration. Pittsburgh is full of layers, and they're present, and we are more ourselves, and we bring more to the experience of the theater. And so, again, you've chosen this locale because there are some very striking lines in mm -hmm. Fosse's play about apartments, about mm -hmm. people living in them, dying, and being replaced. Mm -hmm. We miraculously, when we got to those lines, we felt oh. the incredible... Confirmed your choice yeah. then. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always different how yeah. we come to say this is the right place. You know, I think that we were looking to metaphorically represent a graveyard, and these columns and this, as you say, bombed-out feel were the first attractions, the expanse, the fact that it could be, the director said both incredibly intimate and incredibly vast at the same time. The, these, these are ideas of the play, right? That yeah. it is both so intimate and so vast. So those were the reasons we said yes. And then we found it wonderful to see houses out those windows, 
or to create a configuration that matched the audience to the playing space that allowed the actor to look at the people in the seats, you know, and and have them feel we are the houses. We are, you know, she's talking about us. <laughs> now, you've chosen a play that we've, that we've just watched and a playwright who has been described as one of the world's most outstanding contemporary playwrights. Correct. And yet... You've never heard of him, and neither and had I. I would say that, you know, I spend time wanting to know who these people are. Right. Me too. And we don't know this person. Yeah. So, well, it's the question is, why is that? It's fascinating. Well, the English-speaking world has come late to this party. The translator, Sarah Cameron Sunda, who is a Norwegian-American who really feels she should champion Fosa mm -hmm. and bring him. I, I think that I, I'm going to be honest and say that British translations of Fosa have not possibly served his advancement in the English-speaking world. It's much better, I feel, from my limited perspective, that an American has translated him into English. I mean, there's some great translators who happen to be British. There's a simplicity and a minimalism to his writing as, as I've experienced it. And I first saw this play in French that I just feel is served by an American translator, I will say. But, and I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know okay. why we, we don't. I, I know that there are some British productions that have not uh, succeeded. Yeah, the, the okay? critics haven't warmed loved, to him. Loved him. But they London. have to Ibsen, obviously, and to Beckett and some of the other, if, if that's the, right. the mold you want to cast him in. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say, except that there is an incredible minimalism to his writing on the page, no punctuation. And, and I, I feel that this woman who is American is inside his psyche and he knows her mm -hmm. well, they know each other well, and she's the right person to be translating. And it was, it was a great play. Thanks. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, there was a real intensity. It was so Ibsonian. You felt? Uh, well, this whole family dynamic and the tension within it is... Right. He brought that kind of internal yeah. psychological guilt and... Absolutely. So, yeah. yes, he's very much, I think, in his... And the later Ibs Ibsen plays that um, go to uh, a level that I would call metaphoric and surreal. And, you know, Ibsen was very transcendent, of course, in the later plays. And so I will relate them especially to that. I feel that people will connect it more easily to Beckett than mm -hmm. Ibsen myself. But that's cool. That we, we did Ibsen just before this. We did John Gabriel Borgman wanting mm -hmm. to um, contrast Ibsen with this contemporary Norwegian writer. And yet, with Beckett, uh, there's more obvious humor. Some audiences, I think, will laugh more than, mm -hmm. than yours did. In a kind of a sad way, though. Yeah. And, oh, this, there's a, all you can do is laugh, right, Some, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I hope happy we get, days with the... Oh, my goodness, know, just yes. buried in... Right. Yeah. What, what else can you do? That's it. Right. So I want to get into the play a, a, a little bit. There's a number of themes that are really quite striking. Perhaps we could just very quickly give the audience an idea of what, what the play is all about. 
<laughs> it's about a man's death, we believe. We believe that the whole play is like an extended moment, which is his death. Death comes to him like a woman. A woman from his past, we seem to come to believe. But time is moving very strangely, and we're in the past and the future, and we're trying to hold on, and time is flying by. All these things are happening simultaneously. And he shows up in a, a graveyard. Yes, but he's in he's a graveyard not, yes, and you're for the burial of his grandmother. Yes, but his own burial, too, so you don't right. know. So why is he there? Yeah. His parents show up there for the burial of grandmother also. His ex-wife shows up. Yeah, so all these people eventually... Clash before his eyes. Yes, right. And his relation to them all and the conflicts that exist, it's like an accounting, perhaps, in his mind. And the fact that life has just gone by like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there's this other thing going on in the play, of course, that I would point out since I play this role. Um, the, I play the role of the woman, and the woman is, in our estimation, death and is there to take him, and yet there's she has got all kinds of human characteristics. She doesn't end up with him, so she the stakes are very high for her because she, she needs something, she wants something that she doesn't get, and she doesn't know whether she will get it, and she seems conflicted about it as we move through the play. So that's a very strange element of the play, isn't it? De de definitely. It's one of the, the key sort of conundrums. Is, mm -hmm. is She's his, an old lover, and yet you're not sure if they've actually spent a lot of their lives together. Right. And you're also not sure why she's in the graveyard. Right. Uh, is it just a chance encounter, or is it because she's actually there for... Him. For him or his... Take uh, him. Or his grandmother's death. There's all sorts of ambiguity. And um, weirdly, the, I hope... I think it adds up for me to a very good representation of the mysteries, the things that we we don't think about because we just can't know, you know? <laughs> so we don't think about and, them. And, you know, that's it, almost in itself is a statement about us having to know. Uh -huh. well, actually, maybe that's what... The problem in England is is that the uh -huh. audiences may get frustrated because they don't Possibly. know. Right. And what he's instead putting his finger on is this state that is, is, is there. It's there in a layer beneath our daily lives, the state where we can't know and yet... We're scared of it, oh, yeah. for one thing. Yeah. And it's, it's just present. And he asks us to be present. He says, mm -hmm. be present. Deal with it. <laughs> well, and the way we deal with it, at least characters in the play deal with it is with sort of platitudes and small talk mm -hmm. because they're avoiding it. Because that's very human. And repetition. They say the same thing many times hoping that this time it's going to move me somewhere. And here we are, in, not in the face of death, but maybe in the face of death to commemorate someone's life and yet what, what does that bring up? It brings up all sorts of uh, painful tensions within the family. Right. Just Realistic. put that aside yeah. and deal with the fact that this person has died and celebrate their life. And right. yet, no, you That's can't not leave what that happens. alone. Yeah. So it rings Picks realistically, doesn't it? It's so weird that it um, both is so sort of absurdist or surreal and feels very realistic at the same time. He's a cool writer, I think. I think it's a voice I've never heard in the theater. And I, you know, I live to find new 
voices, new ways that the theater might put its finger on something. Fosa is doing that for me. You're saying that he he brings in, what, this sense of unreality and reality at the same time that's different? Well, I mean, he he filled me with feelings. And as I said, I saw it in French the first time. I experienced it with an audience full of French people, and I was filled with feelings. And that began my journey with the play that's brought us here where I'm completely inside the thing. And it was not clear why, how it worked or why it worked. These are the things that were intriguing to me about it. You know, I, I wanted to understand, and, I, and you don't understand it really intellectually. You understand it sort of emotionally. It, it, it still fills me with feelings it, before I come out to perform. I mean, I'm full of elation and dread at the same time. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so that is powerful theater. Well, it's different different. The way it withholds its meaning and forces you to find your own. You know, it forces you to be present, to realize it. I suppose it shows you that that a lot of people do avoid talk of important things. Yes. Very much so, because you get the repetition, you get the trite platitudes. And now the performance of it for an audience will also illuminate what's different about it. You know, I expected people to be bored. You guys are so silent. You know, it's a it's an hour and 40 minutes with no intermission and you're not moving in your chairs. You are absolutely clearly with it. You know, trying to make sense of it or follow it or grasp it or make its meaning for you. And so it's surprising me in performance what it feels like in this room (laughs) as we do it. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of theater. It's different, I'm telling you. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for taking the time to tell us how different Thank you, Nigel. And best of luck with this run and for the future of quantum theater. Thank you. Thank you. You're doing some really interesting things. I appreciate that. I hope you'll come again.